Hello, nerds, and welcome. Almost caught me off guard with this intro. Wasn't quite ready when Eric pressed the button, but here we are. <laughs> We're crossing the Nerdverse Brigade, you yet another episode. My name is Travis. I am joined by my fantastic co-hosts, Eric, Ryan, and Clark. Eric, how you been this week? Um, it's been a little bit of a busy week. Mostly just works, like, had a big uptick and stuff going on, so I haven't been able to be as active on social media as I would like. Um, I'll get back to it, of course. Um, in the coming days, I was able to get our YouTube a new video. Um, as everybody knows, we're, we're all a little camera shy, so we don't do a lot of live and, and video type content. So we did get a wrestling one up. Uh, we kind of got some inside stuff because Travis was actually at the event. And there is always things that go on at WWE that don't go on TV. So we did kind of get to hear a couple things that happened there. Um, and that was kind of cool to to do. And then just to go over wrestling, we showed some pictures, shared screens. Um, we kind of got more involved than usual with conversations. And the episode actually went probably about three times longer than usual for a riff. Um, so <laughs> and we have weird. noticed that every there, there's been a lot of clicks on it already, people checking it out, which is nice. So we appreciate that. Um, and we'll keep trying to do a little bit more. To our listeners, scroll around until you find a screen sharing that fantastic picture of Rick Boogs. It is the best thing that has come about from the draft. <laughs> oh, I will forever fantastic. love that picture. Ryan, how was your week? Uh, pretty good. Um, actually, you know what? It's actually been a pretty crap week, but it's been pretty sweet in the nerdverse. Uh, you know, like Eric said, we got to do the, uh, the WWE draft night recap. That was a lot of fun. I learned a lot. Um, I'm slowly getting educated on on that kind of thing. Um, beyond that, I've been focusing, I've been checking out a lot of the DC animated films and trying to get caught up on some of the stuff that I missed, hopefully so that I'm not missing any kind of info when the new stuff starts to drop. I'm particularly excited about Waller, which has been announced. Um, and then of course, today has been all about the May the 4th. And so it's, it's been a pretty good week in regards to, uh, to the nerdverse. Been, been all right. What about you, Clark? Uh, I have had a good week. Uh, Bungie is preparing for Pentathlon tomorrow, and I have been recruited to play Splatoon for my team. So I have been uh, practicing Splatoon. So if you see a character running around called Bad Debt, that is me. <laughs> Hashtag uh, jealous. Nobody yes. nobody wants to get taken out by Bad Debt. I yeah, get just that. Just killed by Bad Debt. Uh, that's, yeah. that's my goal. Uh, I've finally found, I've landed on my weapon is like the big roller. Uh, basically, it uh, goes to my melee brain of where I can just roll people over with it. So that's all I do is just run around the course and just roll people over. Uh, other than from, that, it's been a pretty relaxing week. From what I understand, that's also your driving habit. So It just, is. Yeah, it, uh, just <laughs> run them right over. No I'm melee in all, all walks of life. Well, I... I I'm going to have to stick on the trend of not having the greatest week. Oh, no. Monday was absolutely amazing. It was fun to record on Tuesday. The Rift work has just been absolute clown shoes. So, you know, it is what it is in that regard. But it's podcast night. It's May the 4th. And I'm excited as we discuss all things Star Wars. Let's 
lead us off with probably the most important piece of information that we could have in regards to Star Wars and who is everyone's favorite character. Okay, just to make sure we're being specific here. Are we looking at Star Wars as a whole? We're keeping everything very open, very vague. Video games, comic books, novels. All of it. Comics, novels, movies, prequels, sequels, original, expanded universe. A Cal Kestis man? Interesting. Can I have a favorite until Disney got a hold of the franchise? (laughs) Oh, dear. Because, I mean, for me, it's just Han Solo. Like, just bounty hunter, the guy, I love you. I know. Like, just come on. It's just a cool dude. But then I think, well, in the Disney ones, I feel like they did everybody dirty from the old. She likes them stuffy looking. Yeah. I won't say they (laughs) necessarily did. I don't, I wouldn't say they exactly did Han Solo dirty. It fits the character that he was literally that he abandoned his family and then was running from debt that tracks for his personality. <laughs> yeah. If I'm being yeah, perfectly the, honest, like, we met him the back. first time <laughs> we met him the first time and he was in debt. He was running from yeah, people running because he owed him money. Like, but like the coming back trilogy. and like my son will kill me and this will bring him to the light. It's like, eh. he, I mean, I know he only came back because Carrie Fisher was going to do it. And he's like, I will do it if she does it, but still like, and just kind of like Luke becoming a force ghost. I think like, I think yeah. in regards to him dying to Kylo Ren, I think it was the I have to make a last ditch effort to see if I can save him. All I saw I mean, was he's not doing this again and he needs to die. Well, the, the one thing is, is, I think part of that they took from the books. So if anyone read the books, the original legends, Han Solo and Leia had multiple kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and when the first one dies... It causes a huge rift for the rest of the family. And Jace ends up, their oldest son ends up becoming a Sith Lord. And the way to do it is you have to kill the thing you love the most. Um, and so, so he shot I know, his Xbox and it was tragic. <laughs> right. So, but on a serious note, so when, when he kills his dad, it is kind of like a take from that, though. Like they did kind of, like that was one nice thing to see is the way they took it from the books. Um, they made Kylo. But they took Ren it from Ren. the books and missed the tragedy arc that brought the family dysfunction. Yes. So, so I'm going to yeah. say Han Solo pre-Disney. Yeah, I agree. Well, and see, I think the coolest thing about that particular character arc, and it's, 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 excuse me, it's with nearly every movie, right? There's always little things that you have to kind of ignore. And when it comes to Han Solo, I think before that, they were doing great. The particular scene when he's in the hallway and the two rival gangs come from either end and he looks up and he's just like, you, it's good to see you. <laughs> One of the best Han Solo, most Han Solo moments in that entire movie. Absolutely loved that. Yeah. I wasn't, wasn't super excited with the way that he, he passed in that movie, but I'm with you. Han Solo favorite character. I do like him in the prequel books more so than the movies with the way they depicted him. Uh, the favorite scene for me comes to mind when he's like, I'm pretty good left-handed and I know this guy is exclusively right-handed. So if I disable both our right hands by running electricity all the way down this wall and force him to draw left-handed, he may back down and he does that. And the guy's like, well, you're lucky my draw hands hurt. And Han Solo's just like, I mean, I'll go lefties if you'll go lefties. And then like the dude ran off. Um, 
And then I think at the end of that book, Han Solo killed him by being a better pilot, which is usually how we go uh, with the Han That's Solo route. Because he was like also like murder. just a super... Well, he was just an exceptional kind of pilot, right? They don't bring yeah. that up in the movies a whole lot, but it definitely gets touched on in those books that he was just a pilot above and beyond measure. So with that, Ryan, lead us into our first topic. I know you've been... Who was Ryan's right. favorite? Or did I miss yeah, that's it? What so I was here like, you oh, two, no, okay. okay. yeah. Mine so, was Cal Kestis, because he's the best. I'm in, a, I'm in a very similar boat. It's it's odd for me, because I kind of want to to stroke the ego of my hipster a little bit, because my go-to answer up until very recently was Boba Fett. Boba Fett was my main man, loved everything about him, thought he looked the coolest for all 7 minutes and 38 seconds, or whatever <laughs> it is that he gets on screen. Um, but... I have to say Din Djarin from the Mandalorian series is probably my favorite Star Wars character as, as just, mainstream as that is to say. I was going to say, just, just so everybody knows, I'm usually the guy that only picks the old stuff and I picked one of the newest characters. <laughs> the newest character. Just throwing that out there. No, it's the guy that gets the grief for the uh, boomer this and that. Just throwing that I, out there. I do want to give an honorable mention to a wildly underrated character that I wish got a lot more love, and that's Aiden Versio from i think it was squadrons you have this badass girl boss energy who is the head of a special forces unit in the empire that i i absolutely loved her entire story and nobody talks about it because the game was not well received and i think that is a shame and so that game that game was okay it was all right like the game was okay um but yeah, no, so as far as favorite characters go, I'm going with Din Djarin. I know it's a little mainstream right now because everybody loves Mandalorian, but I I do. I think he's my favorite character. I'll give and... it to you. I will give it to you because I think the Mandalorian is so well done that it fits better into what I would consider old Star Wars than what I'm going to call the, De- the Disney Star Wars. I'm just going to call them disney star wars even though technically the mandalorians disney star wars don't look that way uh technically (laughs) technically now the old ones are also disney star wars okay well that's fair (laughs) well Uh, it's the you you catch a little bit of generational gap right because everybody loves other movies that they got to see when they were kids and so you know star wars releases in 1977 77 i think i'm right about that and everybody fell in love with it and so the original trilogy was considered like this very much golden standard, despite the fact that narratively it is full of wild holes um, and, and products of its time. It's still considered ponderously slow. Yeah. It's, it's ponderously slow. There's all of one African-American actor in the entire trilogy. um, The objectification of women and the fact that Luke has got the gold medal for one of the worst Mary Sue's of all time. But I absolutely love the original trilogy, but then you have the later generations that got to see the Phantom Menace and the prequel trilogies all about the Clone Wars and stuff when they were at the right age gap because everybody forgets Star Wars made for kids. And so, yeah, you get the, absolutely, it's a kids movie. So it's always been for kids. I feel like when my parents went to see it, they were in their like mid to late twenties, maybe. And I thought that was the target demographic. Well, it was it was supposed to be. Okay. And then when it became wildly popular with children, that is when you saw was it Kenner was the name of the toy company? Yes. And George Kenner. Lucas got together and they're like, We can make this more marketable to children and make way more money and George Lucas was like, I like that. And so they made it 
again, you know, Mary Sue Skywalker, uh, all the yep. way to the end of the original trilogy. And they marketed it for kids. That's why when it came back, they did the marketing again. You know, they knew they were going to get some of the older fans to watch new Star Wars films. But again, they marketed to kids. There was toy lines in place. They had these very comedic moments that lend itself to good family comedy. So, well, look Uh, at how they family comedy kissing your sister. (laughs) Yeah, that's pretty standard in like Alabama and Mississippi and stuff. Hey. Hi, people. Yeah, hi, hi, <laughs> listeners down south. Appreciate that. But um, if you look though, like the main droids too, and like the Phantom Menace and everything, the battle droids or whatever they're called, like they're very like toy. Yeah, the B ones. Like, you could tell they they, they were more concerned with yeah they were more concerned with toys and stuff when they designed all the robots than anything oh, yeah. else, and they definitely That's... didn't want to have like a true like. I don't think they wanted to have a true person bad guy army to fight. I think It'd they be wanted so it much to be death. like that would be that would bump up yeah. that oh, rating yeah. to right. hard. So no even, problem. Even even the like the army for the republic ended up being the clones. So like they did a lot of like things that were um not real. Not I don't want to say not real people, but it was clones and robots fighting and not actual war. Question: uh, When he kills all the younglings, is that for the children? <laughs> That's that's a warning for the kids. (laughs) Like, not fair. You never see him actually do it. It's just heavily hinted at. They also had to fall within like a specific like PG rating. Well, yeah, but I'm just like that. I can understand the like marketing to children is a wonderful group because until the millennials came about, adults didn't buy toys. Um, So. I understand the marketing there, but yeah, I I feel like some of this goes back to the anime versus cartoons. I feel like this is uh, a little bit more anime-y, and I would have assumed at least young adults for initial so, marketing. I do have a couple of launch topics here that I want to bring up, and I'm going to start with a, a pretty easy one, a pretty light one. Um, and so as I've been kind of crowdsourcing uh, Star Wars Day and how people you know, if they celebrate, how do they celebrate? What do you do that's cool? One thing that's kind of come to the forefront that I'm curious about is when you look at Star Wars, and again, today's all about the broad strokes of Star Wars, whether you're into the movies or the television shows or the books, or the comics or whatever um, the case may be, everybody always seems to have a particular area of interest in Star Wars that stands out to them as something special about the universe, something special about the way the story's told, something special like that. And I'm going to start with myself so you all have an idea what I'm talking about. But I personally fell in love with learning all of the specs and the titles and stuff for ships and spaceships in the game. Fell in love with that. I learned, I, I, I love how they're set up, looking at the, the cross cuts and the blueprints. Um, I actually own the, the car manual for the Millennium Falcon so that you can look at all the specs in it. And I think the ships are some of my favorite parts of, in the Star Wars universe. Whereas my wife is all about droids. My wife loves the droids. She thinks they're adorable. She likes having the robots with the funny accents. Um, she loves her robots. And so I wanted to ask you guys, do you have an area like that? Is there something about Star Wars that you think is just your favorite part? Travis, what do you got? I love the fact that the robots still speak binary with one another between like the droids and the computers. It's all done in binary. 
he, and I think that's absolutely amazing that the language of computers is in fact the same language as the robots technically some of them have modulators to speak but at the end of the day it's still all ones and zeros and i always thought that was kind of a neat bit of reality in my science fiction yeah i can dig on that i like that uh for me it was and i have the same kind of thing with star trek i know uh but i just loved seeing the creative design for the people of different planets different species like seeing what they're going to come up with to kind of just how you explain this different species. This guy's got little gills over here and this guy's the character design I've always just thought is flawless. Uh, and then I'm a big fan of just kind of like the theology of the Jedi. And, you know, you have your dark Lords, your gray Jedis, just kind of all of that kind of, uh, yeah, I guess just what they stood for and why and how they got to where they are was always very interesting to me. Mercy is the mark of a great Jedi, and gray Jedi are okay. Mm-hmm. Well, I've been into two like... fandoms. I, <laughs> I like you that. See what I, actually, I did there. I was I was talking to a friend of mine um, the other day, and I sent her I sent her a text, and it was just this little picture, and it said. Star Wars has an entire planet of goth girl Amazonian dominatrix witches who raise the dead, and yet they keep taking us back to Tatooine. And I think that about sums it up right there. Um, <laughs> more rocks, more better. More rocks, There's, more better. <laughs> there is an inordinate amount of time spent on Tatooine, I feel, for a planet that was supposed to be like, here's the shitty origin home for our hero, and then we just <laughs> keep fucking going back. Yep. I was, cheap I, to film. I, I, I brought this up in in pre-production, where everything, every every big hero in Star Wars comes from a desert planet. <laughs> Just saying, desert breeds heroes. Well, actually, what you said your favorite was Cal Kestis, didn't he come up on a metropolis? Wasn't it? Wasn't I don't it know where he urban? was born. I don't remember where they said he was born. Um, he was on Braca though. After, and this isn't spoiler because oh, you right. learn in yeah. Fallen Order. But he spent, I spent, I would say a chunk of his life in ships going like for the war in the beginning and then the rest of his time. So probably Brock is where he spent the most chunk of his life. But yeah, I don't know where he came. It was like, even in the new one. Now this is a spoiler for people in the new one. So he does mention he was, he spent some time on Coruscant, but I mean, you knew that everyone would know that because you go there for Jedi training. Yeah. That's where the Jedi temple was. Yeah. So he spent some of his childhood there, but yeah, I don't, I don't know if they ever actually mentioned where he was born I initially. And I don't think Bracca is a desert planet in point of fact. No, I remember it being very rainy. No, that's not for the first game. Yeah. And, well, also, they don't show to... you too much. It's a, it's like a lot of shipyard. Like it's like a massive, massive, massive shipyard. Like I just, just remember it's... raining. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Right. And what well, was there? It's like Seattle, I guess. So like Seattle, like gloomy looking and, and rainy. Lots of coffee. And lots of um, broken also... down vehicles that nobody's using. I'm going to go ahead and throw it out there for all of our listeners that are currently playing the new uh, Survivor um, with Cal Kestis. We are going to be trying to avoid spoilers for the newest game. Um, However, I guess this is a good point to insert. For those of you that haven't seen Star Wars and chose to listen to a Star Wars Day podcast, it's going to be riddled with spoilers. We're going to talk about all kinds of big spoilers from the books, the comic books, the video games, the movies, but we will do our best to avoid the most recent video game 
um, with Jedi Survivor. Um, but Eric, what about you? You got any uh, any favorite elements of Star Wars that really stick out to you? Honestly, I know we have Ellie Joe in our audience right now saying she she digs all the different and unique animals and um, and stuff on different planets. The the xenozoology. I think it's smart the way they just did the story, man. Like in the sense of like when you go on the planets, all the different um, aliens you see, it gives them so much like room to grow. And you see it like in the books is the biggest place. So you might see some awkward looking alien in the corner and like that's a whole new planet. Like that one character just right there makes it so that they have a whole new planet that they can design, jump to and, and make part of the universe. And it's just crazy how they've done that. And like some like look at Chewbacca. And Kashyyyk, like that became huge. I mean, there's yeah, so absolutely. many different things. And and that's probably my favorite part of Star Wars. Anytime you see a new alien in the bars, because they go to the cantinas. And when you see them, then you start to formulate, like, what is it, dude? Like, what's this planet like? Like, are they part of the Republic? Are they part of the Empire? Are they in the Outer Rim? So it's pretty cool. Fun trivia fact for all of you Star Wars geeks out there. There is a NASA astronaut walking in the background at the uh, cantina in A New Hope. So if you have watched that numerous times like I have, you can see him just slowly roaming around the background. Uh, The point I was going to get to before that piece of trivia just popped into my brain uh, (laughs) was, and I've had to eat crow on this because they finally started doing it. But my biggest gripe with Star Wars is like, we've got galaxy full of billions and billions of people. Why are we still hanging out with the same 10 people? They're our favorite 10 people. (laughs) (laughs) And I get that. But it was also when they were like, we're going to do an Obi-Wan story about what he was doing between the prequel trilogy and the original trilogy. And I was like, I'd rather have a story about some other random dude in the Star Wars universe who's just like, the Empire has made it really hard for me to work, so I have become, you know, a smuggler, and, like, maybe I come across the Millennium Falcon, but I don't have anything to do with the main storyline. You know, one of those things where, it's like, you have so many options to go to, we don't have to come back to Tatooine. Well, yeah, and, you know, to Eric's point, I think a lot of that interplays, right? You look at the original Cantina scene whenever, right before we meet Han Solo, and the trivia behind that scene is fascinating because every alien in there, if if I remember right, I think it's every alien in there outside of our main squeeze characters like Greedo, Han Solo, Chewbacca, they needed to fill a Cantina full of aliens when they were making the movie, right? And for those of you interested in a deep dive on this, There's several good documentaries about it. I recommend Movies That Made Us on Netflix. They cover this pretty good. But apparently, all of those aliens in that cantina were random projects that were sitting in a lot of the costuming and artists' like shops, their their workshops and stuff. And they just started bringing out everything they could to to turn it into an alien with as little work as possible. And that's why you have the one that just kind of looks like the devil with the big horns that gave birth to the entire Deveronian planet. Just like Eric was saying, that one character with no lines and 15 seconds of screen time added a huge chapter to the lore of, of the universe, to the world building of it. And, you know, when people start watching Star Wars, everybody immediately always thinks of the Jedi and the Sith and that's even if they get to the point where they separate them, because Jedi is synonymous with Force user a lot 
and it's so much broader and so much bigger than that. Um, Eric, I think you were you were in line next. The only thing I, I was going to go with Travis, like what he was talking about, and I agree. Like there is a lot of different characters and stuff to do, and Disney's done. A, I think they've actually done a halfway decent job, but they do need to do a little bit with those other characters because some of them are beloved. Like I needed to see what Obi Wan did because to me it made no sense why he completely left everything and how could he do it like i it, there would the way his character was developed in the first 3 movies it made no sense like why would he just do that so i needed the show to give me a better idea of how he lost hope and how he actually still did involve himself a little bit but didn't become a main thing so i needed to see that but then you got rogue one that was great to see you got to see these out there nobody knew about characters and i mean it was one of the biggest things that came out of disney um, oh, yeah. If I'm not mistaken, and that's all brand new characters. So I agree. We need we need fresh stuff. We need fresh looks, um, and they're doing that slowly. I feel like, but I do like a couple of the older characters. I need them fleshed out because I just need to know what they did. Like the Obi Wan, especially Boba Fett was kind of iffy just because of how they ruined him. But I I liked the Obi Wan show. I really did. It was well made. It was good to see. Ewan McGregor come back as Obi-Wan. I didn't need that story. I really didn't. Uh, I was happy thinking that in defeat, he went to focus on the self, right? He went to gain introspection and enlightenment. And that took him 20 years to master something that is supposed to be significantly difficult in regards to force use uh, in the same way that, you know, Qui-Gon had found a way to project himself into the force. Yoda had mastered it before he passed away. Obi-Wan obviously going to have to take some time to master it as well while facing that inner turmoil. I really didn't need to see some sort of like hero's redemption arc from his defeat. I was more than happy with him just kind of hanging out on Tatooine, keeping a low profile and watching over Luke because that was, you know, his, his job. That was his assignment essentially. So I was, you know, I could have taken or left the Obi-Wan story, but I did enjoy it. And that's why I think they're not going to make other things because you only need it for certain people. I feel like I don't think we'll ever see the backstory to Han and Leia um, in regards uh, to like why yeah. their marriage devolved. I don't ever think we're going to see live action why Kylo Ren went rogue and, and bad. But I think like the personally like the Obi Wan I did just because of his character. He was such a diehard. I needed something like that. Like I get what you're saying. It was cool. Like it made sense if he did just kind of go off into nothing, but it, it was, it was nice to see the difference, but you're right. I don't think they're going to do it for most characters. You're never going to get to see what they did afterwards or what they did during, I should say. Um, that's all going to kind of fall by the wayside as they develop these new projects. I think I don't necessarily need to see Kylo Ren's backstory because they do kind of give it to you like, Oh, you know, uncle Luke saw the dark side in me and then, wanted to murder me which is a very interesting uh character trajectory for him to be honest and that's where i was kind of like oh what have you done uh disney to this because it's like i don't feel like that's ever in luke's character to begin with to just be like i need to eliminate maybe they were just like oh he's just like his father um he has the child slayer 3000 but (laughs) Uh, like, I would love to see what happens to Kylo Ren after, like, 
that that is the story I would have liked to see, but I don't think I'm going to get that. See, I I think I would like to see maybe maybe in a television series kind of like they did for uh for several of the other characters and like they did for Obi-Wan, a Knights of Ren story I think would be really cool. I I would love to see that that part of the story get told. Uh Travis, my question is going off in a completely different direction, so if you have something to go on that, go for it. Like, okay, I was going to say that leads me to my, I guess, my first and only question of this evening. Uh, first and only. <laughs> so far, so far. Uh, <laughs> do you feel like it makes more sense to stop doing these large movies for Star Wars and go more into uh, kind of television shows or episodic versions where they kind of mirror more like the books or the comics? Or do you think that there's still this realm where these big Star Wars movies are still what people want to see, I guess. And the best way to tell the story as well. I think there's a place for these blockbuster movies. I really do. There's a place for them. I think right now it's in Disney's best interest to keep with these palate cleansing stories. Everybody's hyped for Ahsoka. I am too. Mm -hmm. That was a character where I was like, Eh, what, during the introduction of Ahsoka, I was like, oh yeah, they gave Anakin an apprentice, whatever. It's filler. Uh, as that character developed, liked her more and more, I am hyped yep. for an Ahsoka show. I'm hyped for anything that they do with Din Djarin for The Mandalorian. I'm excited that that is going to have a big crescendo conclusion. I love that fact. I think, you know, especially with uh, you know Andor as a series, I love it. I love what they're doing with it. If they decide to time together for like a blockbuster film that gives everybody some type of closure or development or whatever with stuff, I guess I can't really tie Andor uh, with the Mandalorian because those are way two different timelines. But I, I digress. You know, if they want to do more shows like Andor, I'm fine with it. Shows like Bad Batch, things like that. It's great that they're doing these palate cleansers because there's definitely a place for blockbusters. So I think Disney's on the same level with you, Clark, because what they're doing is is they're doing a big new blockbuster trilogy where they're coming out with Ray and kind of not continuing the story they're saying. It's not like a true continuation of the Skywalker saga. It's now new, um, but they are doing those. But they're also doing a big blockbuster movie with the shows. So they're they're kind of doing this weird thing where I think they're going to do more shows, but then they're going to do a blockbuster to tie them together. That would be kind of cool to see once in a while. So you still get your palate cleansing shows that Travis enjoys, but then you also still get your big blockbuster movies that time together to do big adventures. Um, so that I think Disney's going to try to see with that's kind of what they're doing. Cause it seems like a lot of things went on the back burner that are outside of that realm. If you look anything that's outside of those two realms seems like it went to a back burner. And I think it's because Disney wants to see, do we want more trilogies and big blockbusters only, or do we want the palate cleansers that are all separate, but then to be brought together for one big movie? And see, I think I fall into a very similar camp because I am definitely in the camp of more Star Wars is more better, right? And I say that all the time. More Star Wars is more better. I have absolutely fallen in love with a lot of these shows that they are putting out that are, you know, 10 episode seasons, 12 episode seasons. And even though my initial knee jerk reaction was, I can't believe they only gave me eight episodes. Rawr. What it actually is, is they wanted to make 
a six-hour movie and decided to put it out there into these bite-sized episodes. And it's it's it fills that, that role that there's a lot of people out there that sitting down and watching a three-hour movie sounds exhausting and they won't do it. But sitting down and binge-watching five hours of a TV show is fine. And so I like what they're doing where they're kind of creating a, a micro Star Wars cinematic universe thing, Marvel-esque, where the shows are tying into one another, but you don't have to see this one to understand what's going on in this one, with the exception of Book of Boba Fett, obviously. And I think that, or at least I hope, what I would like to see is that they continue in this exact same path. They have the big blockbuster movies that are coming out. I hope they start it for, for generating new characters, but I hope they continue these television series about beloved characters that didn't get enough screen time as well. All right, my second question for the evening. Uh, there has been rumor that Disney is making these most recent ones non-canon. How do you either A, feel about that, or B, believe that they can get away with Would they just pretend like it didn't, it was a fever de- dream of Luke on Tatooine, uh, you know, or what kind of says you? Uh, so, in regards to the declassification of the sequel trilogy and a lot of that kind of stuff, it's my belief that they're not going to do that. They're going to keep them up there despite the fact that they were not well-received because, like Travis said several minutes ago, they still financially did very well. They they did well at the box office. And this new series, uh, I believe we just found out today that it's going to be Ray, and it's actually set 15 years after the events of the sequel trilogy. A lot of people aren't going to be excited about that. And I think I have a lot of people. Yeah. Well, and a huge part of the fan base, because of the huge gap of time between when each block comes out, they're very much, no, I don't like change. And so ultimately movies and television shows only get made to make money. And there's a big divergent train of thought in that regard. Do you make movies to make money? Or do you make movies to tell a story? Are you making a movie for the audience? Or are you making a movie to make money? Which is why we end up with a bunch of cookie-cutter superhero movies coming out recently. And I think that is kind of a a seed, a part of of the larger problem that people get really upset about in the Star Wars franchise. I was just going to say, I feel like the new one, the new trilogy is going to be well-received because they're doing the first first movie different. It's not going to be you're you're finding um a hero right away um so that now it's going to be ray has a jedi order in a sense or it's jedi school or a jedi something so she has an established thing every other time like they're finding a new hero to start out with so now we're going to get to see a jedi order in a movie um that's later in time so I think that's going to be that's going to be nice because I, I think a lot of people were mad you didn't get to see Luke's Jedi Order. You didn't even get to know how many Jedi he had. Like there's ballparks, like all the fan theories out there. He had anywhere from oh, twelve yeah. to thirty. The only thing we know is he had three from the comics. We know he had three plus Kylo and himself. So that's all we that's all we truly know. Um, he had more. We just don't have a number. So I think a lot of people are going to check it out because they're going to want to see what she did, how she did it how she's building it, where she's doing it. Is she doing it on another 
playing it that strong in force or like or is she on Tatooine? Tatooine. Or, <laughs> or is she is we she always on a desert go back planet? to Tatooine. But I, I think just, she's gonna she's gonna be on Jeddah. I would like I to see any other Jedi's Jedi order. Uh, Ray and I are just not good friends. I I think it's going to be fine. I'm going to be hopeful is what I'm going to do on it. Like, I'm just going to remain positive in regards to that. If it turns out it's terrible, then you know what? It's terrible. But again, I'm glad that they're making more Star Wars things. So I don't have to watch the same six Star Wars movies or I guess nine now over and over again. I like that there's new content coming out and I can pick the things that I like and I can ignore the things that I don't like. Uh, As far as them removing stuff from canon, they do multiverse movies and cartoons and comic books all the time. I'm not worried about if they're like, this isn't technically canon. Like, don't care. Had a good time. It's like when they were like, oh, they made all the books non-canon. And I'm like, well, a lot of the books did a really good job of contradicting each other constantly. Because it was like a gajillion writers because everybody was just spamming sci-fi Star Wars content. So if they do like a multiverse thing or it's like a non-reality or if it is like R2-D2 is having a fever dream, I don't care. Just give me Star Wars things. Ryan? Oh, yeah. Well, and it falls into that that old explanation of the fact that Star Wars is supposed to be a buffet. You eat what you like, you don't eat what you don't like, and everybody can come and enjoy a meal, right? And that's the way I take Star Wars as well. There are a few of them that I'm not the biggest fan of, and as much as I'll defend them, I'm not a big fan of the sequel trilogy. Um, I think a lot of the characters were cool. I think Finn kind of got done dirty, and they did a few weird things. But there's also certain aspects of the prequel trilogies, which I absolutely love, that I just block out of my mind every time I sit to watch them. Every time they say the word metachlorian, my entire inside just vibrates with rage. There's um, tiny little evil but, bacteria. Yeah, <laughs> tiny little evil bacteria. However, I think that one of the most frustrating aspects of the fan outrage and the backlash that we got with the sequel trilogy, really, it, it irks me. Because right before the sequel trilogy came out and we had the Ray stuff, everybody complained about the prequel trilogy. It was so Mickey Mouse. It's not Star Wars. It doesn't feel like Star Wars. I want them to do it the way the old Star Wars were done. And so when Force Awakens came out and effectively it was a recreation of A New Hope on a larger scale, and suddenly everybody started complaining that, oh, it's the exact same movie. They just remade New Hope. And with the same amount of passion and vehemence that they had previously. And so that's where we get the joke that all the star Wars fans are just going, going to complain, right? They're just going to be unhappy. We're impossible to please. Uh, I am going to explain why I don't like Ray to Ellie Joe. Uh, I have no, as a lady nerd, I don't enjoy being pandered to. Uh, I get it. Female empowerment is a thing and it's awesome, but like, give me a true, like, Luke had to go and run around with Yoda on his back and everything. And Ray just picks up a lightsaber. And because she's got the last name Palpatine, she can just immediately start pulling down Starcrafts. No, it's the same issue that I had in Marvel Endgame, where all of the female characters in a massive battlefield just happen to get together all at the same time and go, she's got her girls. And I was like, what? Nobody else is going to help you. And it's just kind of like, yeah, it's Captain America. She can just, or, uh, oh my God, Captain, Captain America. 
Captain Marvel. She could just yeet. She doesn't need you. She really doesn't. Yeah, she but could just, just yeet like, it into space and be done. Like, yeah, it was. It's. it felt like a very pandering play to female empowerment that I was just like, no, I want to see her work for it just like everybody else. Show me her arc. She doesn't just get to pick up a lightsaber and be like, I'm a woman. Pew, 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 pew. Like, to me, that's like really annoying because that's not true female empowerment i'm just being pandered to uh, so yeah that's my tiny <laughs> that's my, yes thank you those are my lightsaber <laughs> i practice them just like that <laughs> so that's my tiny ray rant i apologize my counter to the people that are always like they should make it like the original trilogy and i go on a shoestring budget expecting it to fail Yep, exactly right. With none of the original actors that you wanted. <laughs> yeah, with nobody cast who you thought you were going to get. Okay, so I am going to insert right here. We did have a question I wanted to bring up that was from our Facebook page from Luke Ballinger. And I'm going to paraphrase it a little bit so that we can we can expand on it. Um, do y'all think that Disney is blatantly ignoring a lot of their fan base in regards to storytelling and uh, the way that the shows are done. The example that was given to me was the fact that, um, and for those of you that have not finished watching, I think it's season two of Mandalorian, skip ahead by 15 seconds. You know, Favreau brought back Luke Skywalker, which was huge and well-received by the fan base, and everybody was super happy about it, and then Disney kind of shut it down. Do y'all think that Disney is ignoring the fan base, paying too much attention to the fan base, or what are your thoughts on Disney's control of the fandom now? I'm going to say, I don't think they're pandering really to anybody. I think they're finally giving people that are passionate about Star Wars an opportunity to create. John Favreau, passionate Star Wars fan. Dave Filoni, passionate Star Wars fan. A lot of the writers for like Bad Batch, uh, Rebels, uh, Clone Wars you know, the animated series, a lot of those people are very passionate about their projects. They care about the IP. They enjoy Star Wars. I think they're giving them a chance to shine, and it's really reflecting in the show. Mandalorian being the perfect example. It's a brand new character. I don't feel it was really pandering to anybody. I think they gave an opportunity to people that were passionate about the intellectual property of Star Wars, and they've done a really good job. And I think Disney has learned from their mistakes of having multiple directors multiple writers um, trying to handle a single story arc and are going to start passing these projects on to basically individual groups. So if you start on it, you'll finish on it, barring a few exceptions as people come in and out. But I think they're going to keep those production teams pretty consolidated just because there was so much chaos in the storytelling of the sequel trilogy because there was no consistency between writing teams. There was no consistency between directors, really it was handoff like one person's vision was completely different from another person's visions in the manufacturing of those films. I think Disney kind of stubbed their toe on this one and goes, Hey, maybe we should start focusing on people that are a little more passionate about the IP. I know Kathleen Kennedy gets a ton of flack for not being passionate about it. She is however, very passionate about being profitable. And I think that lesson has been learned. Um, So you can see a lot of the new stuff coming out that is drawing in new fans and still, appealing to older fans so two things from just personally you had to bring luke into mando because of the time frame um it had to be done i don't think it was to 
placate fans or anything like that. Um, yes, we want more Luke. Problem being is the way you have to CG his face and stuff like that. It's going to be very complicated for a TV show budget. So I don't think I don't think he would ever. They would continue doing a lot with him. But you had to bring him in. You had to show him. You knew he at the time he's he's the only mainstream Jedi. Like we had a little bit with Ahsoka, but they probably didn't want to hint at that too much because they knew they were going to end up doing the show. And then in regards to Mando, I think part of the reason they wanted a, a Mando show, and I don't know this, but it would be because Boba Fett was always one of the most like Banff characters in Star Ooh. Wars. Like, Perfect. and Mando's never got a really good story until TV, like the cartoons and stuff. And people love that and ate that shit up. Um, so when they decided to make a Mandalorian movie or Mandalorian show, sorry, it probably didn't take long for Disney to go. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do this like yesterday because it's, it's such an underdeveloped, like Boba Fett just looked like the man. So. I'm going to die. I'm going to die if I don't get this out. It would take 10 seconds to recast a younger Luke with Sebastian Stan. That's a fact, actually. Yeah. He looks almost exactly like Mark Hamill. It would take zero effort to do a little bit of makeup on the man, make sure he's clean shaven. You have a young Luke. No but didn't they, Disney did they CG the some of his face, though? Yeah, they did. Oh, yeah, yeah and but, they're not, I don't think they're going to do like a whole show doing stuff like that. No, but it's, that's well, why yeah, I don't so, think they'll they'll keep him coming back. I think that's why it was a one off or two off thing. Yeah, yeah I'm not. Recast. Yeah, I'm not saying you do a whole show where you CG Luke's face every time. Sebastian Stan, even without CG, looks like Mark Hamill. They're no, he does. I agree. You and Disney has the budget to afford Sebastian Stan. Just cast the man, and you can have him appear in cameos whenever you feel like. We've already talked about the fan base, though, is the thing. So look at Han Solo when they cast the younger Han Solo. Absolutely, like, not everybody. I shouldn't say that. Sorry, everybody. A large quantity of people were not happy with that casting or not being Harrison Ford somehow magically de-aging 40 years to play Han Solo. 55. Yeah, so, like, that. that's why, like, I think it'd be, it'd be rough. Like, I agree with you. If you look at Sebastian Stan, like, like he might like maybe maybe Mark Hamill like when he was younger anyways but he does I agree but I think fan base wise horrible idea to do uh I'm gonna say on the Mandalorian they've also been using the unreal engine to do a lot of their CGI and graphics and I guess like background stuff so as more of that kind of gets its way we use it in video games like those kind of engines they might be able to very easily do a whole CGI thing just using a gaming engine uh so that I mean would be pretty cool. I I'm not outside of the realm. I thought it was super amazing to even hear about their use of Unreal in the Mandalorian. And I like went through and I was watching the last episodes like, which what do I think is <laughs> generated by this engine? But I think for me, uh, wrapping back to the original question, uh, I think they're trying to pander to new Star Wars. So... I am what I'm going to consider not like the original Star Wars fans. Like my parents saw it when it originally came out. I was that younger millennial generation that caught wind of it kind of towards the prequels. And 
trying to like bridge the generational gap between what we all want and what we all nostalgically remember as Star Wars is super hard. So right now I feel I do feel like Disney's saying like, hey, older Star Wars fans, sit down. You had your Star Wars moment. Let's give it to kind of like this younger generation where, you know, in my mind, oh, you can force heal where there there goes my three movies, like just up in smoke. So I do think they're pandering towards more of a new generation of Star Wars fans and disregarding kind of, I will call it the, uh, I'm a part of this. Yeah. Like I'm a part of this like salty older Star Wars fan base. Uh, so I, I do see it, but I think they're also still just making content to your guys's point. That's just good content that I'm enjoying watching. Yes, it kind of puts a hole in some of my favorite parts of Star Wars or like the Star Wars that I remember. But, you know, it's not bad. It's just it's not edgy and grungy anymore. Now, like I said in pre-production, it's like the Pirates of the Caribbean in space. It's kind of got like the same palette tone, the same kind of happier vibe. I don't really anticipate anything bad happening in Star Wars anymore. Like. I think so, they've just kind of taken that direction. So I got one thing I do want to do. I know I'm trying to push my way into the into this now. I, I want everybody you join to join this conversation. I want everybody to see this because I don't want anyone to think I'm being like a, a super, I don't know, boomer about everything. I completely agree that Sebastian Stan looking right here on the screen I'm sharing. Very similar features. And I you couldn't could find do that. I couldn't a find a bit good of picture of him. And he would be Luke Skywalker. Right. Well, and- I just think the fan base itself is why Disney will always steer away from it, especially after the Han Solo movie. I think that's why you won't see a lot more Luke. I think it'd be great if they got Sebastian. I actually think Disney has purchased him as a person at this stage of the game. He's in so much Disney stuff lately. I mean, he's like legitimately in everything. I don't know if they've got like a super contract or something with him and that dude's just banking. Um, he is an exceptional actor, so I give it to him. But I did want everyone to see. That's like the best picture I could get. Um, and I can't blow it up any bigger. I apologize. But that he's is. Also, he's also an exceptionally attractive man. Sebastian Stan's good looking. Yeah. And That's what I was going to say. You, I'm not really sure if the fan base is going to have that much of a problem with it. Me being the fan base. For those of you that are listening, instead of joining us live here in the studio, we can uh, totally put those pictures up on our Twitter and our Facebook group and probably our Instagram and everywhere else, just so you can you can kind of get it. Now, in regards to the Sebastian Sand stuff, and I did have another topic I want to cover. I know uh, we're, we're eating up our time here, but I think a huge part of the recasting comes not just in the actual physical similarities, um, even though that's important, but how much the actor is passionate about it. And I'm going to bring up the Solo movie, but not for Han Solo. I'm going to bring up Donald Glover as Lando Calrissian because that guy crushed it. He must have studied yeah. Billy D. Williams' body language, speech patterns. That was the best recasting ever. I'm with Travis. I'm going to headbang. I'm agreeing so much. And I, I loved Donald Glover as Lando Calrissian. I think he did an amazing job. And he does look like Billy D. Williams to a certain extent, but you didn't need crazy amounts of prosthetics or makeup, or CGI, you just needed somebody that cared enough to learn the mannerisms. Yeah, the voice and intonations was absolutely fantastic. He literally practiced the way Billy D. Williams was saying Han instead of Han like everybody else. 
absolutely fantastic. Had that same sort of almost derogatory pronunciation yeah. of the man's name. And so, <laughs> I, yeah, I I loved him as Lando Calrissian. Absolutely fantastic. But I blame the Han Solo casting for why we don't have a Lando movie yet. Um, because, again, I think they're hesitant with doing something like that because of the way the Han Solo thing. I think we probably have a better chance to get a eight-episode Obi-Wan style thing with Lando than we do a movie, unfortunately. And I'm okay yeah, I with that. I agree. Yeah, I, I don't I'd know. be fine. I am curious if they're going to use the storyline. So if no one's read it, they put out an amazing book about Ray's parents. Um, and also Lando, which we didn't know, his daughter was kidnapped. Um, and he spent a large chunk of his life and money looking for. Her. So I would actually be kind of excited to see because they have been in talks with him to come back to play Lando. But I can't find anything about what specifically they want to do with him gonna guess it's probably um his own thing and he's done tv before he's done movies so we know he's willing well he what he has been willing in the past to do either or so maybe he would be willing to come on do like an eight episode obi-wan style thing and we get to see him lose his kid find it well he doesn't find her but lose his kid and all the things he loses in regards to that (laughs) I mean, the book's been out a long time now. Oh, yeah, and yeah. I find a lot of I don't fans read. don't read. Yeah, a lot of fans don't enjoy the literature on top of everything else. But, I didn't even yeah, know you if could you do, read, Eric. I mean, it's an audio book, but, you know. I mean, <laughs> there you do. go. Of course, of course so, it was an audio book. Is it a manga? Um, oh, Clark, you had, to, you had something to add. Oh crumbs! I forgot about it. Uh, All right, that's yeah, cool. Nope, I'm gonna go ahead and pass. move into the next. I'm gonna I, move into the next segment. Um, he caught so, me with reading, and I went like way off base. <laughs> um, so I did have a request to do one that was kind of fun. I think it's gonna be interesting, and it's a huge backbone of the Star Wars fandoms. And I'm gonna call it the tinfoil hat segment. And so, Travis, you brought it up to our audience chat a minute ago. I want to talk to you guys about your favorite bizarre fan theories, conspiracy theories and fan fictions about the star Wars universe, whether it's about the Darth Jar Jar theories or, you know, whatever. Um, and I can tell you mine right out of the gate. And, you know, obviously everybody loves the Darth Jar Jar story. I actually low key. I, I, I think I, I'm full tilt tinfoil hat about that one. Uh, I think I believe it, but my favorite fan theory and probably just cause it's humorous is the Darth Vader is extra fan theory. And that Darth Vader never redeemed himself. He never went good guy. And instead, ended up joining Luke and betraying the Emperor simply because it was the most dramatic and extra thing to do in that moment. And we see a lot of support with that, especially in the animated series, flying TIE fighters with the Force and billowing his own cape without wind. Yes. And... I, I think that's probably my favorite tinfoil hat Star Wars is Darth Vader's extra. I'm gonna I'm gonna agree with you on that one because even in the video games where he appears out of nowhere, it means he had to shut off his life support suit to stop the lights and then appear. So he he went to kill himself for a dramatic yes. entrance. For dramatic I am, effects. I am here for Drama King Anakin. Like yes. yes. 
it's it's the Batman theory. It's not about when's the most opportune time. It's when it's the most dramatic time. Yes, yes, that's precisely right. My, I I've, I've already touched on this in a previous episode where we talked about Star Wars. My favorite fan theory is one that I feel like I've been on the ground floor of, and that's with the advent of Metaclorians being canon, there has to be good ones, and there has to be bad ones, because there's two aspects to the Force. There has, there has to be evil Metaclorians. There's tiny little evil bacteria living in your body, and they take over me sometimes, and that's why I put my finger in people's water when they're not looking. Okay, I was <laughs> I'm really happy person. with how that sentence ended. Uh <laughs> Evil bacteria living inside of people. Oh, good grief! All right, Eric, what about you? Honestly, I don't, I don't know if I have one in particular, man. Like, there's been so many, like, throughout time and history with Star Wars as to things, and I, I just, I can't put my finger on any particular one. Like your, your, your Darth Vader one's really good. Um, I don't think he redeemed himself. I think. He, his plan was, is there's only two at that stage of Sith history. He was going to kill. He didn't think he would die from electricity. Man survived lava. So I'm figuring he thought he'd pull through in the end. Um, okay. Obviously makes sense. did makes not sense. work out because he figured he could turn his son. I mean, his son had tendencies. Um, he did turn in. If you read again, books, comics, things like that outside sources. Luke has turned several different times to the dark side for parts of time. So um, it's not something that's not a possibility. Um, so th- yeah, so that's probably my this. best one is, is yeah. Darth Vader didn't become a good guy. He, the only reason you kind of think he did is because he forced ghosts with everybody else and he's nice and he smiles and he's not wearing his armor. Yeah. Yes. So I will say this, when it comes to the fan theories, probably the most prolific fan theory out there, of course, is Darth Jar Jar, right? The concept that Jar Jar Binks was originally put into the movies in a very similar position as Yoda was in the original trilogy. You know, he's kind of the goofy character that ends up being the drunken master and is the Sith Lord all along. And I really think that the fan outrage and backlash, which we should all be absolutely ashamed of, got Jar Jar Binks kind of pulled out and moved out of the story, but I will say I'm grateful for it. And I'm grateful for it because it ended up giving us the best shoehorn of all time in one of my favorite characters that is Count Dooku. And I love Count Dooku. I think he's a great character. Now that they're expanding some of his backstory in the animated shows, I'm even more in love with him. I have so much fun with it. Um, And so, to kind of ask you guys, if I was going to look at some of the supporting cast... Oh, Travis, what do you got? You skipped over Clark and her favorite. Oh, I thought she Oh, no, I agree. I agreed with dramatic Anakin. So that's... It's pronounced Dramanikin. Dramanikin. My bad. Uh, I think my most... If I had to go, like, a most recent one, it's probably not, like, a tinfoil hat thing, but that it's just, like, that Finn could possibly be Lando's kid. Oh, interesting. Tell us about that a little more. Uh, it's just kind of, you know, Finn was shown as a stormtrooper, but he's not really a stormtrooper, uh, kind of canoning, I guess. I don't really know where this canon came from. It's just something that I've been understood is that, you know, 
the reason that stormtroopers are in white with their black edging is because they're not really bad. They're just following the wrong path, blah, blah, blah. They're kind of mindless drones where uh, Finn is the first time we kind of see into the stormtrooper lifestyle. So maybe he's not truly of the stormtrooper world or populace. So it's just kind of like, he's a really good fighter. He could possibly be force sensitive. Uh, You know, uh, there's a chance he's just kind of like, has a kid that's that was oh that's what i was gonna bring up when i forgot is i would love to see a star wars uh movie or episode about all of these child kidnappings and what we're doing to prevent it because it seems like an awfully big trend that we should probably resolve um so and you know finn falls into that same category of you know one of the the big star wars fan theories is no body no death right So if we don't see a body, they didn't actually die, and we're primed, ready to get them back. Samuel L. Jackson coming back as old man Mace Windu. Um, <laughs> it's unlikely getting thrown out of a whatever thousand-story building on Coruscant, but it could happen. <laughs> if they rate the movie PG-13, he'll get to say fuck. So Yeah, there you go. <laughs> he definitely will come there's back. There's always a chance. Yeah, there's always a chance. So, cool bit of trivia. Everybody always knows that he ended up with a purple lightsaber in the movies. By special request, right? He wanted to be able to pick himself out of the big fight scenes on Geonosis and that kind of stuff. Did you know that his lightsaber had one other unique quality to it? It was engraved. It was the only one that was engraved, and it said, Bad Motherfucker, right there on the hilt. (laughs) Did you know Tupac was almost considered to play Mace Windu? I just learned that today, in point of fact. My was my wife was having me quiz her back and forth for a big Star Wars trivia event that she went to tonight. And I did not know that. Tupac Shakur as Mace Windu. Who? Hard for him to have been an actor being dead, so I can see why. A little bit hard. Oh, yeah. Never, yeah, that never went through. Oh, I actually, I've been that on that, the only I've been on that full, full line. I believed that. Was he dead before the, the movie started casting? On a for real note, though, just to flesh out the Lando thing a little bit, I did pull it up. So it kind of, it all started sure with, enough. I guess there was a puzzle that came out and part of the description stated that Finn was Lando's kid. Oh, um, now, now the item was not released by Disney. Um, it was a third party through um, eyebrows, Amazon. eyebrows. But the thing, the thing is, is if you're releasing Disney, products i would imagine you have to have some sort of tie to them um obviously it definitely does, it doesn't mean anything because Dis- uh, disney has in no way said or confirmed anything with it um but hey. that's kind of where it started and it's kind of gone with it from there there's like um there's a couple i'm trying to see here uh hey we use it in the writing world all the time plot holes are just pockets for people to yeah. keep their fan fiction so but yeah, so that's a little bit more in the Lando Finn connection. All right, I have an interesting idea for how we could close the show. We're going to do a quick, we'll call it 20 questions. No explanations needed for any of these, just your knee jerk reactions. We're going to go in order of how you appear on my screen. I will give my answer last. Starting with the first one What's the worst Star Wars merch, Eric? Oh my God. Uh, some of that baby Grogu stuff is just real cheese. Like there was one or two things that were cool, but there's just too much. 
too much cheese. Ryan? Uh, uh, I'm going to go with the Star Wars Micro Machines release in the mid-90s, even though I, I love them. It was a, it was a weird one. <laughs> Clark? Eric stole my answer. Some of the baby Grogu stuff is just haunting and creepy and incorrectly proportioned. Uh, there's a lot of cute stuff. Not There's also a lot of really ugly stuff. Worst one for me, uh, the whatever New Order nerf blaster that didn't make oh, the correct yeah. didn't make the correct blaster sound and didn't shoot nerf darts well either. Just a bad piece of merchandise. We'll move on. What was your favorite piece of Star Wars merch? I like the cheesy new build your own lightsabers. Like, you know, you can buy them at Walmart. I know they're like flimsy and stuff like that, but it is kind of cool that you can buy different ones and slide different parts in and things like that. Um, I think it's kind of creative and cool. Ryan? Uh, I'm going to chase Eric. I actually like the build your own droids that are getting big at Galaxy's Edge. I think those are super cool for the kids. I want to get my kids. So, yeah, build your own droids. Clark? Uh, I'm all here for the Star Wars Legos. I love my AT-AT, and I love my R2-D2. Like, it just combines my two favorite thingies. I'm going to go Force Effects lightsaber, the ones you could buy at, like, your average gaming store, not the crazy fancy ones that they have at Disney, but just your standard out-of-the-box replica from the film. All right, this is going to be an opinion-based one, but worst Star Wars film, Eric? I don't, none. I love them all. There's nothing like, okay, so if I have to pick one, it's, what's the one? What is it, Attack of Clones? Is it the second one? Phantom Menace is Attack, the second one, right? Yeah. So maybe that one, because it was kind of Titanic y love story too much. Creepy love story too. Much older, much younger kid. I hate so, sand. Yeah, that one. Ryan? Oh, crap. Um, uh, I'm gonna uh, again i like i love them all but if i had to pick one i'm going with the last jedi i I did not care for it or wait is that the right one the the episode eight the second in the sequel trilogy is that the right one because force awakens then last jedi and then rise of skywalker right clark what do you got uh i i'm not a fan of rise of skywalker i think it's just kind of like it did so many people dirty in so many ways, and I felt like the final lightsaber battle was just kind of like, uh, very tired, and I wanted leaping. You guys skipped over the hands-down worst Star Wars movie, oh, and that's the damn Christmas talk- special. Yeah, we don't How talk about the special. How did everybody just ignore that? that? It's mentioned. so bad. <laughs> it's and so bad. A, and you brought that, years of therapy brought it up blocking it. <laughs> you mentioned the special that must not be mentioned. Oh, it is. It's absolutely terrible. It is so bad. Of... Again, just knee-jerk reaction. Favorite of the films, Eric? A New Hope. I know I'm whatever, but like, just because it's what started it. Like, if it if it doesn't get made, if they don't take a shot to make it, um, we don't have Star Wars. So it'll always be, maybe it wasn't the best. But like it'll always have that special place because without it, I mean, we're not talking about it and we don't have May the Force be with you. Or Ryan. Uh, 1983 Return of the Jedi. Uh, lots of Boba Fett good stuff. The Princess Leia in the gold bikini on the pleasure yacht. I, I, I was a young man. Like 
it, I'm going to remember it forever. So yeah, Return of the Jedi. Clark. Uh, I'm going to have to say just out of nostalgia, Re- Revenge of the Sith. That was Solid my favorites. Empire Strikes Back for me was my okay. favorite. Empire was great. Yeah. I'm sorry. A brief cameo from Boba Fett in that one. Uh, <laughs> He waves, I think. He waves. Yeah, he he, he stands there menacingly. He gets warned no disintegrations. Yeah. That's true, actually. That's true. So, character death in Star Wars that hurt the most. Eric. It's got to be Han Solo, just because I don't feel like the the way he died was done totally correct. Like I brought up earlier, the books... So I wish they would have done a little bit more, like showing that he really needed to and stuff like that, like more of a buildup. Ryan. Um, I'm going to go with Snoke, Supreme Leader Snoke. They did him dirty. No story development, no character development, no explanation, just dead. Going Clark. with Snoke. Uh, I, I'm going to stick with kind of like Han Solo, but... Uh... Mace Windu's was kind of oh yeah just emotionally hurt. I wasn't mad about it. I was sad. Most heartbreaking for me came out of the books, and that is when Chewbacca died during the Yuuzhan Vong invasion. Oh, that was heartbreaking. Broke. I will say, what a badass way to go out to where you couldn't get dropped, so they had to drop an entire moon on top of you. I feel you like throw that's... another moon at me, and I'm gonna lose it. <laughs> yeah, so. I'll give that one, but most satisfying character death, Eric. Oh, Kylo Ren. Without a doubt. Ryan? Django Fett on Genosis. Clark? When I thought Ray was going to die. <laughs> Ooh, she's got some hate. <laughs> Throwing shade at the Mary it. Sue. I just... No, so, yeah, the, as far as satisfying, I think Django Fett made a good show of himself. And, and, and I like the fact that it was Mace Wind who took him out. So Clark's going with, I hope Ray is gone. <laughs> I hope Ray. Well, I felt <laughs> Most... like Kylo would have had a way better, like, future story. And, like, he actually saw some kind of redemption. And then I was like, why? Why you got to be nice? But uh, I can't remember the little droid, uh, the bounty hunter droid in the Mandalorian. I really enjoyed his explosive oh, death. I, IG-11. IG-11. Thank you. Yeah, that was it. I wasn't like happy he died, but I was like, that's the way to go. Like, I'm satisfied with the way that you have died. Satisfying death for me uh, has to be. Uh, Giancarlo Esposito from The Mandalorian in the most recent season. For, for those of you, sorry, spoiler alert, should have let off with that, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> Hope you all have watched it. Uh, the way he dies, absolutely fantastic. The way everyone around him survives when he doesn't, also fantastic. So I'm a big fan of that one. Uh, again, back to the Star Wars theory, no body, no death. Eh, we'll see where that goes, but I do like the idea of him just collapsing under the weight of a ton of fire you know i want to i want to give an honorable mention on that one because the uh what was his name the marshal whenever he goes out in mandalorian oh timothy oliphant yeah that was that was both heartbreaking and satisfying because if you're gonna go out okay 
Um, but very heartbreaking. All right. Probably one of my favorite care, uh, questions in regards to Star Wars. Lightsaber or blaster? Eric, what do you got? Lightsaber. Ryan. All day. Blaster. Give me a carbine. Blaster all day. Clark. Yeah. Lightsaber. I'm well aware of where my talents lie. Sword fighting, probably not it. I'm not taking the <laughs> thing that is going to both lop off a limb and cauterize it at the same time. You're going to have to give me a blaster, man. I'm yeah, no give Jedi. Me a blaster. I'm not Can mastering Can I do one a... of those force axes? Yeah, there the you go. Get a vibro axe. axe. Yeah. Vibro axe. Get a stun baton. <laughs> You could All so right. easily cook steak with your lightsaber, though. Like, there's so many advantages. <laughs> He's out. just getting like, her in the kitchen. <laughs> Eric's, like, Eric's just going to be out there cooking his bacon on the end of his lightsaber, just wrapping it around real fast and then flinging it off. I don't have $2 talking. for a Pepsi. I just, you know, stick it in. I just burn and a hole burn under the, the machine. Soda? Okay. And then I yeah. just reach Cut in and get machine. a different soda. Like, the so upside to the lightsaber theft. is, yeah. Oh, I yeah, feel like you on. could do that with a blaster, too, if that's <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but it, it's it more hurt. silent. Um, it's more silent, because it's instantly melting it and stuff. Like, mm. The blaster's, like, loud. <laughs> All right. Would you be a Sith, a Grey, or a Jedi, Eric? Dude, that's, like, the hardest question. You can't do this as, like, a five-second question, dude. This no, is need too your, hard. I need your immediate response. <laughs> I mean, I probably a Jedi because my dumb ass would get found and I'd be taken away from my parents and I wouldn't be able to become a Sith. <laughs> You'd be kidnapped. But like, yeah, right. But like, the, the, if I was dis- the disappointment is like, well, I wouldn't get a chance to become a Sith. Jedi can become <laughs> Sith. Your origin story is your own, buddy. Well, I'd start out as a Jedi for sure because I'd get kidnapped like all the other children on planets, and, and then we'll see what happens. Ryan, can I avoid the major dogmas and be like a Dathomiri witch? Is, is that an option? Was not oh, an option. My. So I'm going. Uh, oh, crap! I'm gonna go Jedi. Not that I would last very long before falling to the dark side. So, Clark, uh, I would love to tell you I'd be a gray, but my my heart says Sith just right off the bat. Like I'm getting kidnapped by Sith to just be like, oh yeah, no, we found the imbalance. It's right here. I'm picturing Clark. <laughs> walking into the Jedi Academy for like two weeks being like, you boring, and then immediately joining the Sith. <laughs> are you yeah. kidding? The Sith, the Sith are going to drag Clark back to the temple of the Jedi and be like, she keeps telling us we're not Return financially this. efficient. Um, <laughs> yeah. You can have her back. Return to sender. Do not want. Here's she keeps trying. She keeps trying to get us to bring receipts back after every mission. It's, it's crazy. She I'm, asked us how much the Death Star cost. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say we blew past the budget on our giant space station, and she killed like two thirds of our, just, our engineering staff. You're just over budget, and I'm just out there force choking people. All right, we got enough uh, time Travis, for one or two. Hold more? on, I want to know Travis's. I gray. Oh, all right. I would fall. I would fall into gray Jedi where it'd be like I'll do good when it suits me the most, but I'm not gonna go out and necessarily try and destroy the galaxy or any other organization i'm gonna fall into my i just kind of like to be left alone yeah. so i would gonna be, be very, radicalized by the major churches like. yeah i'm just gonna be out doing my own thing i'm gonna find it fantastic that i can pick stuff up with my mind i'm not saying i'm gonna be the perfect person but i'm also not gonna be some paragon of good 
So. so what I'm really hearing is you guys want to use the force for chores. Dude, in a heartbeat. It's, it's, not even, it's not even for chores. I'm going to use it to make a profit. People are going to be like, I can't move this rock off my property. I'm like, I can. For 10,000 credits, I will move this rock. I'll be done in 10 minutes. And then I go back to my house and I drink my blue milk and I chop stuff up with my laser sword. <laughs> hopefully not including my feet. <laughs> Are you kidding me? It, going over and helping a friend move with telekinetic powers, just like thunk, there you go. You're loaded up. Bold of you, you guys, to assume my friends could find me. <laughs> guys, dream too small. So we just want that Clark's quiet like, life. Clark's like, I'm already plotting world domination. I don't even have any powers. <laughs> I don't know what you guys do in your free time, but... Alright, hit us with one more, Travis. Alright, last one's gonna be a twofer, so I want to hear both of them. Favorite video game and worst video game. Eric. So worst is very difficult, um, but Jedi Survivor is definitely the best. Um, new storyline, game, everything. But it's new, so they had a lot to do with it. Uh, I don't know. I'd probably one of the Super Nintendo games to throw it out there. I don't know. Just because it's 2D, it's older. Um, I can't really think of anything else. Like, yeah. Ryan. Uh, worst Star Wars game is Star Wars Galaxy of Heroes. It's a mobile game, and it sucks, and I can't stop playing it. Best is going to be Knights of the Old Republic, the first one, because it is amazing and is yet to be beat for storytelling, in my opinion. So, Clark? I don't really have a least favorite, but honestly, my favorite to play is Lego Star Wars. It wildly popular. I can see that yeah. being a thing. Mine favorite... Cute is going to be the same as Ryan's. It was the very first Star Wars game I ever played. It was Knights of the Old Republic. I absolutely adore that game. I still go back and play it, even to this day. I have replayed that game so yep. many times. Least favorite is going to be one of the early handheld games, and that is Attack of the Clones that was on, I believe, the Game Boy, and that is absolutely atrocious. They tried to blend 2D platforming with the 3D game, and you ran around with a lightsaber, and you didn't really look like anything besides a blob. Bad game. But with that... I'm going to oh. do honorable mention to the N64 pod racing game, though, because I loved the shit out of that. But yeah, anyway... And with that, that's going to bring this episode to a close. We are crossing the Nerdverse. Thanks for joining us on our tour through all of things Star Wars for May the 4th. And as always, may the 4th be with you. And we'll catch you next. Oh, no. Eric, hit us with the links. At C, at CTN underscore podcast at H Nerdverse. Um, the big Twitter ones. A lot of interactions we're trying to do on there. Um, Facebook groups, Hero of the Nerdverse. Again, the big thing is just crossingthenerdverse.com, um, where the first thing that pops up on your Google. So it's not hard to find. Um, it's got merch, it's got videos, it's got podcasts, it's got linked to all the all the extra socials. Um, and I am going to this month, no matter what, regardless of life, limb, or death, start Instagram. There is an Instagram page made. There is a few people on it. Um, yeah. But we'll definitely, trap definitely be doing more. <laughs> it's the crossing just... the nerdverse only fans. It's it's difficult to always always have content to be constant with that on top of doing some other stuff. So it'll be interesting to do. <laughs> but I know a lot of people enjoy the Instagram. Um, True story. It's, True it's story. very active. So it might be a nice way to start reaching out to more people. Um, yeah. 
And with that, this has been All Things Star Wars with Crossing the Nerdverse, and we will catch you next time. Thanks for joining this is, us. This is the May. <laughs> <laughs>